Welcome to the Shepherd's Chapel Network Family Bible Study Hour with Pastor Dennis Murray. Wisdom is understanding God's Word. Pastor Murray's unique teaching approach brings God's Word alive with meaning as he takes you on a chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse study of God's letter to you, the Bible. And now, here is Pastor Dennis Murray. Good day to you. God bless you. Welcome to Shepherd's Chapel. Welcome to this Family Bible Study Hour. Ready to get back into our Father's Word here at the chapel? We invite you to get your Bible and join us if you care to. Uh, We're going to pick it up today, Numbers chapter 14, verse 11. And, you know, the Lord's plan was to bring Israel into the promised land. That's the reason He brought them out of Egypt, uh, where they had a pretty good life, really. And Uh, But as they got away from Egypt, uh, things were kind of rough going through the desert. And they started complaining first about the food, uh, then about the water, then this and that. Belly aching, belly aching, belly aching. And uh, the the straw that broke the camel's back we covered at the end of our last lecture. And that is that uh, after they sent the 12 spies to spy out the promised land, the land of Canaan, to see what kind of land it is, what kind of people are there there. Uh, They came back and said, well, there's giants over there. We we were grasshoppers in their sight. And it scared the people to the point that, and it was a false report that they made up, a slanderous report. And those 10 who stuck with their slanderous report uh, are going to be struck down by the Lord. A lesson to learn from that is you get in the way of God's plan and prepare to be removed. Uh, Those ten will be removed. But as a result of the the false report of the ten spies who went into the promised land, the people of Israel were scared. They said, would God that we have just died in Egypt, and would God that we just died in this wilderness. And that's a, 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 a special wording in that in the Hebrew language that means they wished and hoped that that's what had happened. You want to be careful what you wish for. Sometimes uh, you get what you ask for, and that's going to be the case. Well, they decided they wanted to appoint a captain to lead them back to Egypt. I mean, here they had uh, the God of the universe, Yahweh, Uh, leading them, uh, willing to fight with them against the Canaanites, the the giants. And uh, what do they want? They're going to appoint a man to lead them back into bondage in Egypt. Well, it hit the the Lord's ears. And just as we ended our last lecture, Caleb and Joshua gave a real good speech, I thought, Uh, trying to get the people to come to their senses and realize God said that land is ours. Let's go possess it. Let's go seize it. And what did they do? Uh, The people, they decided they wanted to stone Joshua and Caleb to death. It was at that point that the glory of the Lord descended on the tabernacle. Let's see if God is pleased with the people of Israel. Let's ask that word of wisdom in Yeshua, Jesus' precious name. Father, we ask you to open eyes, open ears this day. Numbers chapter 14, verse 11. And the Lord said unto Moses, 
How long will this people provoke me? Question. And how long will it be ere they believe me? You see, that was the problem. They didn't believe God. They didn't trust God had the power to deliver them to the promised land. They wanted a man to lead them back to Egypt. For all the signs which I have showed among them. How many miracles, Moses, must I perform in front of this people? I mean, the ten plagues that he brought upon the Egyptians, uh, parting of the Red Sea, uh, crushing the Egyptian army that pursued after them, uh, bringing forth water out of a rock when there was no water, uh, bringing forth manna from heaven when there was nothing to eat, and over and over and over, and all God got was complaints, uh, not trust. Verse 12, I will smite them with the pestilence, the plague, if you will, and disinherit them and will make of thee, speaking of Moses, a greater nation and mightier than they. I'll make them stronger and more numerous than this people. Uh, and this is not the first time that God has threatened this. You see, when Moses was on Mount Sinai receiving the Ten Commandments, and he came down, and he, what, did, what did he come down to find? He found Aaron had graven a golden calf, and the people were worshiping the golden calf. God uh, threatened to do the same thing at that point in time, just completely wipe them out and start all over again. Verse 13, And Moses said unto the Lord, Then the Egyptians shall hear it. For thou broughtest up this people in thy might from among them. It was your strength that brought Israel out of bondage to the Egyptians. Verse 14, And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, the, the Canaanites, which consisted of the, the Amorites, the Jebusites, the Hivites, uh, the Amalekites, the Canaanites, the Philistines, the Edomites, and the Moabites. For they have heard that thou, Lord, art among this people. Word has gotten around that you, Yahweh, are among Israel. That thou art, the Lord, art seen face to face. This is uh, in the Hebrew tongue, it's actually eye to eye, put for the closest proximity and that thy cloud standeth over them, and that thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of a cloud and in a pillar of fire by night. Uh, Moses using some pretty good psychology here. He's, he's protecting uh, the glory of the Lord. He's saying, Lord, if you kill this whole congregation, the Egyptians and the inhabitants of Canaan are going to say, look, the Lord brought them out of Egypt and was going to take them to the promised land, but he couldn't, so he just killed them. And uh, that's the line that Moses is taking uh, with them. Uh, verse 15, Now if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, this means it's one stroke in the Hebrew, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, verse 16, because the Lord was not able to bring this people 
into the land which he sware unto them. Therefore he hath slain them in the wilderness. And in other words, the Lord didn't have the power to deliver them into the promised land, so he gave up and just killed them. Moses using some pretty good logic. You know, other than uh, Jesus Christ, who was our intercessor, is our intercessor with the Lord. Uh, probably Samuel and Moses were the greatest intercessors of uh, biblical times. Verse 17, And now I beseech thee, Moses continues to the Lord, let the power of my Lord be great, not not weakened and not able to deliver his children to the promised land, according as thou hast spoken, saying, Moses reminding the Lord that the Lord said he was long-suffering, that he was patient, that he was full of grace, which is unmerited favor. Verse 18, the Lord is long-suffering, again meaning patient, and of great mercy, this is loving kindness, uh, or, or unmerited favor you could think of, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty. And he doesn't show favoritism or partiality. Uh, he'll clear the guilty if they repent and, and obtain for forgiveness visiting or charging the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. And many uh, people incorrectly point to this verse uh, in support of their contention that God punishes the children for the sins of their fathers. And this is actually quoting Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. But it's taken out of context here because there in Exodus chapter 20 verse 5 where we're given the Ten Commandments, uh, the commandment is thou shalt have no graven images before me. In other words, don't bow down, don't worship uh, idols. And I will visit the sins of the fathers to the third and fourth generation and it's excluded here, but check it out in Exodus chapter 20, verse 5, to those who hate me. And then in verse 6, it continues on, but showing mercy, which is love, to those who love me. And what that is saying there in Exodus is that, let's take idolatry, for example, which is the commandment there, don't have any graven images before our Father. Uh, don't bow down to them and worship them. And if the children, let's say the fathers, the, the parents, uh, worship an idol, and that's a sin, and God will hold them accountable for it. But if their children continue worshiping the same idols, uh, that's a sin, and, and God will, con will hold them accountable. But if they stop doing what their parents did, and he will show them mercy. That's love, uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 6. And uh, Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 29, it states that the children's teeth won't be set on edge when the father 
uh, bites into a sour grape, which is a, a figure of speech, meaning that uh, the children are not held accountable for the sins of the father, and parents are not held accountable for the sins of their adult grown children. Uh, we all stand before the great white throne judgment before our heavenly Father. Uh, there's nobody standing between you and the Lord, and it's only your works that you're judged upon. Verse 19, Moses continues, Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt, even until now. Lord, this is not the first time that these people have messed up. Uh, can't you just forgive them this one more time? And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. Uh, and what he's saying here is, I won't strike them dead as a one stroke, as, as one man. Uh, but most assuredly, uh, there will be chastisement and punishment. You know, there's a, a, a point in time where it's too late with the Lord. And these people, this congregation, uh, has gotten to that point where it's too late. Uh, God has made up his mind and what the punishment is. We're going to learn what that is over the next several verses. But he didn't strike them dead as one man. Verse 22, because all those men which have seen my glory, they've seen the, <clears throat> the miracles, You've, they've seen the cloud going before them by day, the pillar of fire by night, <clears throat> and my miracles which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened to my voice. And well, ten times, where did they tempt God? They tempted him at the Red Sea. Uh, they tempted him at Marah, over the water, or the lack there of the water. Uh, they tempted him in the wilderness of Zin. Uh, twice they tempted him over the manna. They, he gave them manna to eat when they had nothing else to eat, but they despised it. They loathed the, the manna, uh, at Rephidim, at Horeb or Sinai, over the golden calf they tempted him, at Taberah, uh, concerning the food. They wanted to go back to Egypt where they had fish and melons and cucumbers and garlic and onions, at Kibreth Hata'ava, where he, the Lord said, you're not going to have meat for one day or 10 days or 20 days. You're going to eat quail until it comes out of your nostrils for 30 days. The graves of lust or greediness is what Kibreth Hata'ava can be translated. And then finally here at Kadesh, uh, where they would appoint a man, a captain, to lead them back into bondage uh, in Egypt. Verse 23, Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. The generation uh, the, that was 20 years old and upward at the numbering has been judged. They will not see the promised land. 
verse 24. But my servant Caleb, representing the tribe of Judah as the 12 of the 12 spies that went into the promised land, the only one who didn't make up a false report, a slanderous report concerning what they saw in the land of Canaan, the promised land, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully him will I bring into the land whereunto he, he went, and his seed shall possess it. Only Caleb and Joshua, Joshua not mentioned here, but will be in the next several verses. But uh, he, what was different about Caleb's spirit? Caleb trusted the Lord. Uh, he was, had unwavering fidelity to the Lord whereas the others didn't trust him, and it was their unbelief that put fear in the heart of the children of Israel to the point they were going to appoint a captain to lead them back into Egypt. Verse 25, Now the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwelt in the valley. And the Lord is now instructing Israel what to do next. Tomorrow turn you, turn around, in other words, and get you into the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. Now this is a, a commandment. Uh, you know, now will the people of Israel believe his punishment and, and what the sentence was uh, that they were not going to enter the promised land? Or will they uh, not believe? You see, it was their unbelief that got them in the situation where they're in right now. You're not going to believe what happens next. Verse 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, Here comes the punishment. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation, which murmur against me? Their murmurs and bellyaching against Moses and Aaron. Uh, but that fell on God's ears, and God knew that it was directed toward him as well. I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel, which they murmur against me. They still don't trust me. They don't believe me that I could deliver them into the promised land. You know, this had to have hurt God's feelings, and, and he has feelings and emotions how do I know that? Because we're created in his image and he has feelings and for his children to reject him and that's exactly what they were doing. This rebellion of appointing a captain, they're totally rejecting uh, Yahweh, the God of heaven and earth. Verse 28, Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. You talk about cooking their own goose. You remember back in verse 2 when they said, Would God that we had died in Egypt, and would God that we had died in this wilderness. You know, they wished that that is what had happened. Well, their wish is about to come true. Uh, they are going to die in the wilderness. You know, in Jeremiah chapter 23, if you're not familiar with that, you need to make a side study of those who blame God for their burdens. 
because it states there in, in Jeremiah chapter 23, if you say the burden of the Lord or, or what burden has God placed on me today, your word will become your burden. In other words, what you say is what you get. And uh, they, they have said and they are about to get. 29, your carcasses, that's your dead bodies, shall fall in the wilderness and all that were numbered of you uh, according to your whole number from 20 years old and upward which have murmured against me. An entire uh, generation uh, sentenced to die in the desert. Verse 30, Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear uh, to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. And Caleb, the only one who didn't make up a false report, Joshua would uh, stand up in support of Caleb uh, in trying to talk some sense into the people of Israel and, and tell them they were really messing up when they said they were afraid and wanted to appoint a captain to lead them back to Egypt. Verse 31, the Lord continues to the people of Israel, but your little ones, this is the, the next generation, those who were 19 years of age and lower, which ye said should be a prey, uh, that happened back in verse 3, you know, God brought us out here in this wilderness that we be slain by the sword and our children should become a prey, a slaves, if you will. Them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised, the land that you have rejected, the land you have spurned. Perhaps they, your children, will get to know the land and enjoy it. Verse 32, <clears throat> but as for you, your carcasses, they shall fall in this wilderness. No promised land for you. No land that flows with milk and honey. Verse 33, and your children shall wander in the wilderness 40 years. Uh, remember how many days the spies checked out the promised land? 40 days. They're going to get one year for each day that they wanted to send the 12 spies into the promised land. And bear your whoredoms until your carcasses be wasted in the wilderness. Maybe uh, the next generation will appreciate the land that flows with milk and honey. Verse 34. After the number of the days in which ye search the land, again, the spies going into the promised land for 40 days, 12 of them. And it wasn't God who wanted to send the spies, the 12, to check out the promised land. He didn't need 12 men to go look and see what the promised land was like. God knew what the promised land was like. He told them it's a land that flows with milk and honey. He told them about the giants. Uh, unfortunately, they didn't believe him. They wanted to send 12 spies to search out the land to see what it was and what the people that were there. 
even 40 days, each day for a year, shall ye bear your iniquities, even 40 years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. And if you have a reference Bible, many of you have a reference, this breach of promise is altering my purpose. What was God's purpose? Well, his plan was to bring Israel into the promised land and they rejected his plan. They altered his purpose. Verse 35, I the Lord have said, I will surely do it unto all this evil congregation that are gathered together against me. They, they were gathered together and rebelled against him. Let's appoint a captain to lead us back to Egypt. In this wilderness they shall be consumed, and there they shall die. And, you know, he still had compassion on the people of Israel, even though the sentence was, uh, and it was a serious sentence. Did they deserve it? You bet they deserved it. After ten times tempting him, you know, ten in biblical numerics is the measure of responsibility and judgment uh, and can be rewards. This, in this case, not so much rewards, but judgment has been passed. They don't get to go to the promised land. They're going to die in the wilderness. But I started to say, even at that, God was compassionate upon them. He continued to give them water and manna and their shoes didn't even become worn. Their clothing didn't wear out for the entire 40 years. But that was the sentence, 36. And the men which Moses sent to search the land, these are the uh, 12 spies other uh, than Joshua and Caleb. So we're talking about 10 men here, uh, the ones who made up the false report who returned and made all the congregation to murmur against him, Moses and God, by bringing up or making up uh, a slander upon the land. They lied about the promised land and, and uh, caused the people uh, to, to have unbelief uh, concerning their ability to move into the promised land even though God had promised them the victory. 37, even those men that did bring up the evil or the false report upon the land died by a plague before the Lord, struck by sudden death. Again, if you get in the way of God's plan, prepare to be removed. These ten have been removed. It was a special plague uh, that, that, uh, that time. Verse 38, but Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, uh, which were of the men that went to search the land, lived still. I couldn't help but think about Second Peter chapter 3, verse 10, where it states that God is a consuming fire, will uh, consume all of the evil rudiments. Uh, and, you know, here you have ten people that were struck dead by God the consuming fire, but two that loved and served him, Joshua and Caleb, uh, weren't singed. Not a hair on their head was harmed, and although the other ten were struck dead. 
uh, kind of like uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the book of Daniel. That furnace was heated seven times hotter than what it needed to be, but not a hair on their head was singed. They didn't even smell of smoke. Verse 39, And Moses told these sayings unto all the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. They wailed and cried again. Well, would they repent and accept God's judgment? Let's find out. Verse 40, And they rose up early in the morning and got them up into the top of the mountain. What did God say in verse 25? He said, tomorrow turn ye and get you into the wilderness. They're going up to the top of the mountain saying, Lo, we be here and we'll go up into the place which the Lord hath promised, for we have sinned. We're right here for you now, Lord. Well, guess what? It's too late. And this is unbelievable. What got them into this situation in the first place was their unbelief they still have unbelief concerning God's judgment. Uh, they think they can change God's mind by being willing to go now. Verse 41, And Moses said, Wherefore now do ye transgress the commandment of the Lord? What was the commandment of the Lord? Verse 25, Turn ye and get you into the wilderness. Don't go into the land of Canaan but it shall not prosper. This is not going to work, folks. God said, turn around and go back into the desert. Don't go into the land of Canaan. Verse 42, go not up, for the Lord is not among you, that you be not smitten before your enemies. And God gives us the strength to fight our enemies. He's not going to be with those who are now, uh, all of a sudden, they found courage uh, to fight against the uh, Canaanites. You know, they, what's ironic about this is that when God was with them, they didn't have the, and was willing to fight with them, they didn't have the courage to go and fight against the Canaanites. Now they found courage to go fight the Canaanites but God is not with them. Verse 43, And the, the Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, Moses continues, trying to reason with the people. And ye shall fall by the sword. In verse 3, they said, The Lord brought us out into this wilderness that we, be, that we fall by the sword. Now, to say it and get it. Your, your word is your burden because ye are turned away from the Lord, therefore the Lord will not be with you. And there's a, a, a teaching of David to his son Solomon. Uh, what is it in First Chronicles uh, chapter 28, verse 9, I believe it is, where David is talking to his son Solomon. Solomon was but 19 years old at the time. And David is telling Solomon, he's about to turn the reins to the kingdom over to Solomon. And he tells Solomon, seek the Lord and he will be found of you. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. These people have forsaken the Lord 
and he has turned away from them. And uh, is this cruel punishment? No, they deserved it. Uh, their apostasy and their uh, rejection of God, out and out rebellion and mutiny uh, by wanting to appoint a captain to lead them back into the land of Egypt. Verse 4, but they presumed, this was a figuratively presumed means to be elated, uh, to go up into the hilltop, uh, into Canaan. Nevertheless, the ark of the covenant of the Lord and the Lord, I'll add, and Moses departed not out of the camp. Moses uh, led them out of Egypt, or I better said the Lord led them out of Egypt with, by the hand of Moses, and uh, now, though they are on their own. Verse 45, Then the Amalekites came down, and the Canaanites which dwelt in that hill, and smote them and discomfited them even unto Horma. Discomfited means crushed. Uh, Horma, uh, translated rather than transliterated, means destruction. And, uh, you know, they would not go into the land of Canaan because of their unbelief. Uh, now they went into the land of Canaan because of their unbelief in God's punishment, the severity of his punishment. There's more written on this in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 44. It states there that the, uh, the, the peoples of Canaan chase them like bees. You know, have you ever uh, uh, seen a swarm of uh, hornets when you go messing with their nest? And that's what they were doing. They were messing with the nest of the Amalekites and the Canaanites. Well, I've unfortunately been stupid enough to mess with the hornet's nest and wasp nest when I was a younger uh, young man, a boy. Uh, and we thought we could destroy those wasps. But I'll tell you what, you get a group of wasps after you got trouble. Uh, you better find the nearest pond and you better be prepared to get wet or else you're going to get stung until you are sick. But, you know, that's the point of all this lesson is, though, to, to believe in God. Don't, don't ever forget 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, which we went to not too many lectures ago. These things, that referring to the, the things that happened to these people, happened as in samples or examples for our admonition uh, in these end times. And what is the warning? The warning is trust God. I don't care what happens. Uh, you, you've got problems if you don't trust your heavenly Father uh, because he can make the road easy and straight or he can put rocks in front of your road and cause trouble all the way. So trust in God, believe him. And, and you say, well, how do I believe God? He hasn't talked to me today. Well, you didn't uh, take time to read the letter that he wrote to you because he speaks to us, friend, through this word. We got a short message. We'll ask you to listen a moment, won't you please? The Mark of the Beast on CD is our free introductory offer to you. What is the Mark of the Beast? 
Many false teachers would have you believe it will be a tattoo on your forehead or a computer chip implanted under your skin. It's getting late in the game. You need to know what the mark of the beast is. As it's written in Revelation chapter 13 verse 8, many will be deceived. Christ said in Mark 13 23, Behold, I have foretold you all things. Jesus indeed told us how not to be deceived, and Pastor Arnold Murray takes you on a step-by-step -step study of God's Word concerning this critical subject. The telephone call is free. The CD is free. No shipping and handling. Just call 800-643-4645 to request your one-time, one-per-household copy of The Mark of the Beast. You may also mail your request to Shepherd's Chapel, P.O. Box 416, Gravit, Arkansas, 72736. Don't be deceived by Satan. Welcome back. We're glad you could join back with us. Let's have the 800 number, please. 800-643-4645. That number good throughout Puerto Rico, uh, the United States, and Canada. If you have a biblical question that you'd like to pose to possibly be answered on the air, feel free to call that 800 number and leave your question. Uh, if you're studying by internet or via uh, shortwave radio somewhere around the world that's unable to use that 800 number, your announcer at the end of the hour will give you our mailing address. Quite all right to mail your questions in being the point. Uh, please don't ask questions about a specific individual, denomination, or organization by name. We simply won't answer them. We try to teach God's Word in a positive manner. Uh, throwing out negative about others by name serves no purpose. Uh, we simply won't do it. We'll let God's Word do the teaching, the correcting, and the healing. Got a prayer request? Well, you don't need a telephone number. You don't need a mailing address. Your Heavenly Father is there for you 24-7. I encourage you to talk with Him. Uh, make time each day, at least once in the day, to talk with Him. Uh, tell Him that you love Him if you do. And, uh, you know, he, like we said in our lecture today, He has feelings just like we do. And if you like to be told that uh, by your loved ones that they love you, uh, he likes to be told that you love him as well, if you do. Don't try and con him. Uh, you can't con God. You see, he knows your heart and mine. We do have these prayer requests, Father. We come united as one in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask you to look on these, Father. You know their needs, uh, financial difficulties, uh, problem marriages. You know, Father, if it is your will, a special blessing on each of these and we lift up our military troops who are in harm's way around the world. Father, watch over, guide, direct, touch, heal. In Yeshua, Jesus' precious name, amen, and thank you, Father. Let's get to some questions, see what's on the mind of folks around the country. Demetrius in North Carolina. How can I tell if something in the Bible is meant literal, uh, spiritual, or something else? Like in Genesis, where it talks about trees, are they people, question, or where it talks about God likened to a fir tree. Well, throughout God's Word, uh, trees are symbolic of man. And you're right, in the Garden of Eden, you've got the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which Adam and Eve were commanded not to partake of. Uh, there were other trees in the garden, including the tree of life, which is uh, Jesus Christ. In the New Testament, Jesus 
uh, utilize the analogy of, of trees being symbolic of man, and that's only natural. Uh, what, what is the human body? We have a trunk, uh, which is our abdomen and our main body. We have arms and legs, which are like branches, uh, so that's, that's not unusual. Mostly, though, that's spiritual, and, and you know, your question, I, I didn't really ever answer it. How can you tell something is literal or spiritual? Uh, you can do that by rightly dividing the Word of God, and that comes with practice. Uh, uh, anyway, I'll leave it at that. Lorraine in Pennsylvania, could, would you consider your conscience your spirit? After I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior and I sinned and fell, my conscience beat me up. Was that my spirit? Well, your conscience is, uh, you know, I like to think of, of your spirit has a conscience. And, and what is your spirit? It's the intellect of your soul. And when you have been raised up, uh, you know, accepting Jesus Christ is a form of resurrection. You, you, you're raised up to a, a different level, a higher level that you don't want to mess up anymore. But in and, and being in the human flesh bodies, we all mess up, we all fall short. Uh, but I hope you've learned to repent when that happens, and until you repent, your conscience is going to beat you up because your conscience is what makes you feel guilt when you do mess up. But don't carry that boatload of guilt around with you uh, if you repent, which is to change sincerely from the heart and ask for forgiveness. Uh, all that guilt is wiped out. It's blotted out. The sins are blotted out. It's like they never existed. You have a clean slate uh, to start afresh. Linda in Tennessee, what part of the Old Testament was Christ mentioned in? Oh my, there's lots of uh, places in the Old Testament that Christ is mentioned or referred to. Uh, make a note and check out Isaiah 53, um, Psalms 22, which covers the uh, crucifixion of Christ even down to the, the soldiers uh, gambling for his raiment, his clothing. Uh, Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14, uh, we learn that a virgin will conceive and have a son and you'll name his, you'll call him Emmanuel, which is uh, God with us. Um, scripture such as Psalm uh, one, excuse me, 110, uh, there are seven verses in Psalm 110. And if you have a Bible, a King James Version Bible, every one of those verses has a star following it. That's how you can tell which scripture in the Old Testament relates to Jesus Christ according to 99.9% .9 of biblical scholars. The star indicates that it refers to Messiah. And you follow with the second question, can you explain the scripture where Mary pondered in her heart in Luke chapter 2 verse 19? And you know, consider 
between Luke chapter 1 verse 1 and Luke chapter 2 verse 19, a lot had happened. I mean, consider uh, Gabriel, the archangel, appeared to Mary and told her she was with child and she hadn't even been with a man. And uh, all these other things were happening. And it states there in Luke 2.19 that she pondered in her heart and, and it's, it's to consider in her heart or mind. It's in the Greek, the word is sumbalo, and it means to consider. And again, heart uh, can be translated mind in most places. Uh, April in California, if I keep doing things, will God forgive me? I want to know why I ask for forgiveness and I still do what I do. What can I do? Well, you aren't repenting, uh, which is to have a true change of heart. Because how do I know that? Because you go back and you're doing the same thing over and over and over. Repenting uh, alleviates guilt. We were talking earlier about your conscience. You are experiencing guilt, April, and you know, if you have, and I, I suspect reading between the lines here that you have probably some form of addiction, either alcoholism or drugs, and you're asking, you know, you, you ask for forgiveness for you doing these drugs, but then you turn around and start and continue doing the drugs anyway. And if I'm misreading between the lines, forgive me. But, uh, you know, if you have an addiction, uh, don't ask for forgiveness. Pray for strength to quit. You know, and if you can't quit on your own, there are organizations that can help you. And I would encourage you, if you aren't able to, to get away from the addiction on your own, uh, seek help. God cannot use, uh, and I want to be careful how I word this, God uses addicts in uh, evangelizing, etc., uh, but God cannot use an addict as, as one of his elect to witness against the Antichrist. Why do I say that? Because Satan knows your very, every link, your weak links. And if you have an addiction, uh, all he's going to have to do is offer you a hit or a, a drink or whatever. Anne in North Carolina, and you'll fold is the point. Anne in North Carolina, did Jesus grow up with his disciples? No. Uh, he spent a lot of his youth uh, with his uncle, Joseph, actually Mary's uncle, uh, which would make it his great uncle. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea. Now this is not biblical, but uh, historically biblical historians uh, have documented and we offer a book in our library called Traditions of Glastonbury and it covers, uh, there's kind of a, a, a void of information on Jesus between when he turned to early teens and then the next thing you know, he's 30 years old and his ministry is beginning. And uh, there's this book, Traditions of Glastonbury, uh, covers some of the years that we pretty much have blank in the Bible uh, concerning what Jesus was doing uh, at that time in his life.
Linda in Tennessee, where in the Bible does it say the people followed the devil? Well, I think you're talking about the, the third of God's children who followed Satan in the first earth age that you've heard us talk about. And you'll find that in Revelation chapter 12. Uh, Revelation chapter 12, by the way, is a parenthetical chapter um, and, and it covers a huge amount of time. It covers from the first earth age all the way up to basically the end of this current dispensation of time. And you'll learn there in Revelation 12 that a third of the stars, which are often referred to as God's children, uh, followed the dragon. And you know who the dragon is, that's Satan. Herbert in California, why did Jesus Christ refer to himself as son of man and advise us all to pray to our Lord uh, which is in heaven. I have a problem with the concept of the Trinity which splits God into three different gods and you're not understanding the Trinity if you think that there are three different gods. There's only one God. Uh, he has, I like to think of them as offices. You know, Satan has more than one office. He was the serpent in the garden. He's the dragon. He's Lucifer. He's the Antichrist. Uh, God has different roles as well. Uh, one of the roles was Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14. A virgin shall conceive and bear a son and you'll call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. That was referring to Jesus Christ. If you're having, and Herbert, I, I, I can see you really are having trouble with the Trinity. Uh, Pastor Arnold Murray did a complete Bible study on the Trinity and covers the Shepherd's Chapel's teaching on the Trinity. If you're interested in that, you need to order CD 30574, which is entitled Nature of God El Shaddai. Uh, you asked about why did Jesus call himself Son of Man? If you have a companion Bible, make a note of Appendix 98, uh, Section 16, and you'll have a full explanation of the Son of Man, which was uh, Jesus Christ while he was in the flesh on earth, and only applies to that period of time, or else you'll be confused. Shiana and Kevin from Indiana uh, thank you for your kind comments. Uh, is it right? For, well, let me. You say it's kind of. Uh, you say you are an excellent teacher, and thank you for that. We thank God for your life. Is it right for a pastor to charge three hundred dollars to teach the word in depth the way you do? And I would ask. Are you paying to view Shepherd's Chapel? Because if you're paying $300 pay-per-view to watch Shepherd's Chapel, there are other ways that you can watch Shepherd's Chapel and you don't have to pay one red cent. So I don't know where you're getting off with the to charge $300 to teach the Word. I don't know if you're talking about the CDs and the cassette tapes. Those are, you know, there if you want to order them, that's fine. 
But as far and, and you know, I think a lot of people think that because we're a nonprofit organization, a church, that they give us the television time that we come to you uh, five days a week in most cases, at least one hour a day. They think that they give us that television time. Television time is very, very expensive. Uh, when you consider we're on DirecTV uh, 19 hours a day, Monday through Friday. We're on Dish Network 24 hours a day, five days a week, 12 hours a day on the weekends. And they don't give that time away. Uh, the CDs and the, the, the charges for the CDs and the cassette tapes are what pays for the television time that you get for free. So uh, we'll leave it at that. Reuben in Tennessee. I have enjoyed your teaching for a long time. Thank you for that. Would you please explain Jesus' statement to Nicodemus in John chapter 3, verse 35? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And that's probably one of the most mistaught scriptures uh, in the Gospels. Uh, people teach that to be born of water is to be baptized, and that's not what it's talking about there in John chapter 3. Uh, uh, what it's talking about is being born in the flesh. What happens when a mother gives birth to a child? The water breaks, the first thing. And this is opposed to uh, those who refuse to be born of woman, and we're talking about the Nephilim in the Hebrew, the fallen angels of Genesis chapter 6. They will not enter the kingdom of God. Why? It states in Jude chapter 1 verse 6 that they're reserved in, uh, held in chains of darkness unto judgment. Ned from West Virginia where in the Bible can I find where the multitude will go to heaven and not just the elect? I would like to thank you for bringing me back to God and His Word. Well, uh, we're, we're so happy that you found your way back and welcome home. You know, that's why I think this ministry is part of the Elijah ministry. In the last two verses of the Bible, uh, the spirit of Elijah or Elijah will return and return the hearts of the children to the fathers, to plural. There are two fathers, Satan and Yahweh, our heavenly father. And we like to think that this program uh, does bring people back to the Lord. We're so glad you found your way back. As far as your question, where would, can you find that uh, multitudes will be in heaven, not just the elect. John chapter 3 verse 16 says it all. And it says nothing about God's election in John 3:16. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but find everlasting life. Mary in North Carolina. I have been enjoying your Bible teaching, and I enjoy it so much. I'm so hungry to learn more, but I am troubled you said concerning the rich man and Lazarus. The rich man wasn't in hell, verse 21, actually you're talking about verse 23, says in hell he lift up his eyes being in torments. He wanted Lazarus to dip his finger in water 
and cool his tongue. He says he was tormented in the flames. Could you please explain this again? Mary, I'd, uh, and it sounds like I'm selling tapes and CDs today. I did a message called The Gulf, and you need to order that so that you understand that. But uh, the hell there, and if you've got a strong concordance, check out what I'm telling you. The word hell is Hades, and it's the place of departed souls. And when we die, we return to the Father. Uh, Ecclesiastes 12, uh, 6 and 7 makes that very clear. But uh, there are two sides to the gulf, and you need to understand that. Luke 16, 2nd uh, Esdras chapter 7, verse 77 in the Apocrypha. Uh, and I'm out of time. I love you all a great deal. Why? Because you enjoy studying God's Word in depth. It makes uh, Father's Day, too, when he looks down and he sees you seeking knowledge from him in the letter he wrote to you, the Bible. We are brought to you by your tithes and offerings. If we've helped you, help us keep coming to you and to reach out to others who are lost in this world of darkness. Most important this, you stay in his word every day. Every day in your Father's word is a good day, even with trouble. You know why? It's because Jesus, Yeshua, is the living word. Hearing God's Word with understanding will change your life. We hope you have enjoyed studying God's Word here on the Shepherd's Chapel Family Bible Study Hour with Pastor Dennis Murray. If you would like to receive more information concerning Shepherd's Chapel, you may request our free introductory offer. Our introductory offer contains the Mark of the Beast CD, our monthly newsletter with a written Bible study, a CD catalog, and a list of written reference works available through Shepherd's Chapel. To request our free introductory offer by telephone, call 800-643-4645, 24 hours a day. You may also request our introductory offer by writing to Shepherd's Chapel, P.O. Box 416, Gravit, Arkansas, 72736. Once again, that's Shepherd's Chapel, P.O. Box 416, Gravit, Arkansas, 72736. We invite you to join us for the next in-depth Bible study each weekday at the same time. Thank you for watching today's program, and God bless you.